Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a bonus episode of Human Factors Cast. Uh, we are recording this live on April 21st, 2021. Uh, my name is Nick Rome, and I'm joined today by Elise Hallett is over there. Hello, Elise. How are you? Well, fantastic. How are you doing, Nick? I'm great. We're back from a busy week at the Healthcare Symposium. So um, busy. <laughs> yeah. So we are here to break down kind of the Healthcare Symposium. It's a, It's a conference on human factors in healthcare. Um, I don't know. Do you want to talk a little bit about it for anyone who couldn't join us for our preview episode? Yeah, let's do it. So um, this year, so I talked a little bit in the preview episode about how this conference is broken up into different tracks. So um, this conference, it's actually an international conference. So a lot of people from a lot of different um, parts of the world that are coming together to really talk about human factors in healthcare. Um, the type of people that come, you know, obviously include human factors professionals, but it's different flavors of human factors professionals, people working with medical devices, people who are actually embedded in a hospital. And then just beyond that, we're also talking about, you know, sometimes doctors and nurses are coming. I've met physical therapists who come to this conference, just a lot of different people who are ultimately interested in in healthcare, improving patient safety. Um, and this just takes kind of a human factors flair, uh, so to speak. So they break up this conference. It's It's been evolving. I've been going for a few years. And every time I come, there's, you know, something new and something different just to, you know, show how they're really putting a lot of effort into tailoring this conference for the people who go. I, I think they do a really good job. But anyway, so they do different tracks. Um, there's, I think, five different ones. They actually added a new one this year um, to, you know, get at the like simulation and education aspect of supporting healthcare. Um, and then, you know, they they tailor the talks based on those tracks. So if you're only interested in say medical devices, you're not, you're an industry building medical devices, then, you know, they, they make it pretty easy for you to attend talks that deal with that. Or if you're a human factor specialist who's embedded in a hospital, which I find to be kind of an interesting role in and of itself, you know, there's a track for that. So, um, you know, they, they gear the talks based on the people who are coming. Uh, so, you know, it's pretty easy to, to follow along and, and find sessions that you're interested in. Yeah. I, so that new track that you mentioned, the simulation, I definitely, that was kind of where I spend most of my time. And I think that was a kind of a good, um, opportunity for me, someone who's never been to a healthcare symposium before and is attending one, uh, virtually for the first time this time, uh, and full disclosure, I did get a, uh, comp complimentary pass to the event. Um, we can talk a little bit about how, why or how that impacted my experience as well. Um, but I, I want to take a, a one step back and kind of talk briefly about the structure of this event. Um, this event is online. It's virtual, uh, obviously due right now to the age of COVID. And we're just kind of getting out of the pandemic, kind of getting back into the swing of things. We're not quite ready to do conferences yet in person. And um, you know, I'll I'll go ahead and talk, and then maybe you can talk a little bit about your experience, Elise. 
But from my perspective, this is very similar to the way that they did the Human Factors and Ergonomics Society annual meeting last year. Um, they had this kind of virtual conference uh, picture where you can click on different sections of like a virtual hotel a lobby where you can go to different rooms and see different things. Like there was a poster session. There were, you know, different rooms for every different uh, type of track and event going on. And I think some of the things that really worked out well for me was the addition of some of the digital components that allow you to um, pick out your schedule and, and prioritize them and be able to navigate to them with just one click, right? Like HFES has had these apps in the past years where, you know, you kind of build your schedule and then it will tell you what room to go to, but you still got to physically walk to that room. And I think the removing that barrier of entry from putting it on your schedule to getting right into that content is um, something that was really done well. And like kudos, hats off to the team over there. Um, I think it really worked well during the HFES annual meeting and it worked well during the healthcare symposium. Um, and, you know, I think largely they should probably try to keep that if they ever try to do a hybrid approach. But um, so, so from my perspective, as someone who's seen this kind of knew what to expect, nothing much has changed, or at least I didn't perceive any changes from the virtual HFES event back in October of last year. And so... Um, for me, I kind of went into it knowing what to expect, but from someone with fresh eyes on a virtual event, Elise, uh, how, how was the experience for you? I mean, it was really interesting. So like Nick said, this was my first virtual conference. I've gone to this particular conference in person before. And so it was, you know, fairly familiar with the setup of it, but logging in through a website was definitely a unique experience, but, um, I did it was kind of cheesy, but I really liked the whole lobby setup when you first come to the home page and how it's broken up. And, you know, it really looks like like a hotel lobby where some of these conferences would be set up. Um, and I got to say, one of my favorite touches that they did to really make this more personal is when you came into the lobby, you know, in in the morning when you're coming in, you know, for the first time, there's a little video that pops up right away. Yeah. And, you know, on day one, it was, um, Joseph Keebler and, um, Tony Andre, uh, who, you know, had put this together, who were, you know, greeting me, telling me what to expect that day. Um, you know, just, just the little touches that you, you know, would, would kind of get organically if you were there in person. And, you know, they really, I thought, made a good effort and still trying to bring, you know, that that personal touch to, you know, the forum. The one thing, though, I will say it was a little bit of a challenge was um, when logging into the sessions. Sometimes if I got in a little bit early, then um you know, the event had started, but sometimes I had to manually refresh my page. And, you know, I, I didn't know that at first. So it'd be like a couple minutes into it. I'm like, man, what, what is happening? And then there'd be, you know, a moderator sending on the chat, like, oh, you have to refresh your page. And, you know, so that there are a little bit of workarounds there, but I mean, once you figured it out, it, you know, wasn't too bad and it was pretty easy to navigate yeah. otherwise. Yeah. You know, one thing other structurally, um, and, and, I didn't encounter this at all. And I'm curious if you did um, at the uh, annual meeting, I actually encountered scenarios in which the researchers had pre-recorded their um, their presentations and uh, basically played it on a video. So that way it's kind of exactly the 
information that they wanted to convey. They're not on the time limit, but they were still around to like answer questions. I didn't see any of that this time around. Did you see any of that? I think the only one that I saw that might have been like that. I think they tried to play it off like it was live. I'm not entirely sure, but I think it was because of time zone issues. Um, but otherwise, every everything was live, which I was actually very impressed with that I didn't see more technical issues. Um, there might have been like two that I can think of up the top of my head where I, I saw that. So given the amount of people who are doing this live, um, you know, the amount of people who are logging in to see it live, like I thought that was very seamless um, in terms of that like live interaction. Yeah, I um, I agree that the live aspect is always interesting. That's why people tune in to us on Twitch and YouTube and Periscope when we're recording these episodes because anything could go wrong at any minute. Um, and you know that's why you go to NASCAR. You go for the crashes. You don't go for the race. Uh, and so, are you comparing this session with a NASCAR crash? <laughs> I'm comparing this podcast with a NASCAR crash. Let me put it that way. So the uh, <laughs> I I would I would say if if I could offer one criticism is that that is what I would want to see more of is those pre-recorded sessions because then everything is taken into consideration ahead of time. Maybe, you know, you have a that Zoom call where everyone is able to take questions from the audience uh, at the, uh, you know, at the end of their presentation or whatever, but that way everything is just so cut and tight. But this is also coming from somebody who produces content on a weekly basis. And so, eh, and, and I'm also being a little bit of a hypocrite here because we're recording this live. So I don't know. Um, How dare you? I think people want different things. When it comes to... Yeah understanding and disseminating research i want to almost just kind of take in the most perfect form of that and you know if somebody has recorded something multiple times they have picked the best edits of that and have that's the thing that they want to present right that's just me i don't know um but you know i was still very appreciative that everyone kind of uh was getting through some of these technical issues with the conference itself um especially for having the challenge of having everything virtually. Um, anything else yeah. with the structure of the conference, at least, that you want to talk yeah. about? Yeah, I mean, there is like kind of piggybacking off of your point about the pre-recorded. I think one of the rich elements of this conference is the discussion panels. Like you get these people who are out in the wild, right? And, you know, they they start talking about, you know, certain topics and then, in the chat, you see people starting to make comments and then it it kind of starts to turn into much more of a rich dynamic conversation that is incorporating not only the expertise of the people who are on the panel, but then also the expertise of the people who are in, you know, the forum and the crowd. So, you know, I think if they were to have done this differently moving forward where maybe there are elements that are pre-recorded um like you're saying i think there there should still be some balance though where like some of the sessions are live to really produce those rich conversations because i think that's why some people come to these conferences and i think it still brings that very organic element to the conversation that otherwise we would very much miss um, with it being, you know, totally virtual. Yeah. And I might be getting a little cart before the horse here, but you know, we're, we're, 
no longer going to have exclusively, or I hope that, you know, at this point, we're no longer going to have exclusively virtual conferences um, coming back out into the world after COVID's over. And so that chat aspect is something that I really do appreciate because it does open up everybody to um, not only see names that are asking the questions, but it also allows you to have conversations while something is being presented. And what would be cool and stick with me, but everyone's on their phone during somebody's presentation in a live uh, setting in a in a real hotel uh, in person, and you know you can chat out your question live um, without interrupting, and you can write it down so that way it's documented, and you know you don't have to like stand in a line and awkwardly go, you know what's this? Um, oh shoot, I forgot my question. You know it's it's there right in the moment, and you know people can as they're watching they can chat about it. Um, I think that would be a super cool approach to like this hybrid thing, right? Where everyone has kind of the chat in their pockets, um, and can just interact with it live. Uh, I, I think love, be- yeah, I love that idea. It kind of makes me think back to undergrad when some of the more techie professors would have, you know, some of that integrated in their lecture. Right. And so it even like gives some opportunity back to the lecturers, you know, how many times have you been in a session and a lecturer like asks a question and nobody responds and it's just so awkward, but like, that's a really seamless way to do it in a room full of people where they might not always want to raise their hand, but sending a chat or something through some, some, um, electronic forum would, you know, definitely like help with that. Yeah, I also noticed there was some interesting um, integrations going on, right? Like they were using Vimeo as the video provider, and then they were using Zoom for some of these um, some of these networking events. And they think they used YouTube for the intro videos that they were pre-recorded. So there was a lot of different technologies going on here um, in this virtual conference, and I think it all came together really well. They all had their intended purpose. Um, you know, I, I would say that some of those technologies like using Zoom, right? And this is, again, kind of the a little bit of a criticism here. Some of the technologies like Zoom, um, I think there there is one instance, and I'll talk about this a little later, where I wanted, I really wanted to get into a Zoom call, um, but had a another um, real world thing to attend to, and I couldn't make it. And so I tried to go and view it after the fact, and I couldn't find the recording anywhere. And I don't know if that's an artifact of, you know, maybe it just wasn't recorded or um, something like that, or maybe Zoom doesn't allow it to interface with that. And I have to go look somewhere else. But that was a little clunky for me. And I didn't actually get to see that thing that I really wanted to see. Um, Again, we'll talk about it in just a moment. But um, yeah, but you bring up a good point. Like one of the things that I absolutely loved about this forum, I cannot stress how much I loved it, was being able to replay sessions. Because with me, conferences are such a flood of information that after like half a day, or by the time I get to Thursday, I'm just like, so mentally tired from like hearing all this rich information. And there are talks and I'm like, Oh, I know this would be so interesting. But uh, I just don't have the mental capacity. And so being able to replay them and, and listen back to it, you know, not have to worry about like capturing notes right away, I could just kind of absorb it. I really liked that option a lot. Yeah, it's really surprising to me that you're usually tapped out by like Wednesday or Thursday, because I'm tapped out before the Monday night, usually the gala even starts. So anyway, um, <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think the playback is really useful. And I think 
especially useful. Um, I think anyone who attends or is a member can go back and watch it at any time um, or for a certain set period of time. It would be cool if all this was archived, right? Because then I can be like, I remember this presentation from HFES 2018 where they talked about the heuristics of VR and AR, and they did. Uh, and I would love to go back and rewatch that. Um, it's something I think about quite often. Uh, so <laughs> the- um, we all do. Yeah. So um, let's let's talk about uh, some of our coverage. So um, we obviously did the preview um, and this was kind of what we were hoping to attend. This is this is kind of our agenda. Um, if you tuned into that episode, it was Elise and I breaking down sort of what we were hoping to uh, see and get to during the course of it. Um, we didn't quite get to everything for reasons that we'll talk about in just a moment, but we also um, have some fun, interesting interviews coming your way. So Elise, you had a couple interviews. Um, one of them is out now. Can you talk a little bit about your interview with Rebecca Butler? Yes. Um, so this was actually an opportunistic setup because I attended one of the panels that Rebecca was a part of. So Rebecca Butler uh, is with MedStar Health and she works as a human factors specialist that's really embedded in the quality and safety team. Um, working with other types of specialties, supporting this network of hospitals. And, um, you know, I know COVID was the big topic this past year. And so there, you know, but when you go to a healthcare conference, you know, and, and healthcare was, you know, related to a global pandemic, it's kind of the, yeah. you know, big thing. But I think also too, I mean, just taking it from a human factors perspective, there's so many opportunities for, you know, human factors to really shine, you know, because of it's, it's, this systemic thing that's impacting so many different types of people and, and how you do that and how you address that, I think raises a lot of really interesting questions. So Rebecca and her team, um, their panel had focused specifically on the communication strategy, uh, between the hospital and its staff. So, you know, in the beginning, if you can, uh, you know, dust off the cobwebs back to last March when everyone was like, Oh, there's, there's, new information. There's new information. It's constantly updating, you know, well, that was happening with the hospital staff, you know? And so how do you disseminate information about proper PPE guidance and, um, how, you know, to test people when that information is changing rapidly. And, and we're not even talking about, um, you know, just considerations like this is stuff that can really impact patient safety. And so, you know, it was an interesting problem that they had set out to figure out of how do you let's like strategize, you know, let's do this smart to talk about, um, you know, how we're going to communicate this information and make sure that they know they're getting the latest and greatest. And it's in a format that's usable and, you know, easy to understand. Yeah, that was a great one to listen to. Um, Really excited for folks to hear that one. I'm also really excited for folks to hear the other interview that you happen to do. This one is not live yet as the as of the time of this recording, but you actually uh, interviewed Mertied uh, Alfred. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's correct. So yeah. um, Dr. Mertied Alfred is with the Medical University of South Carolina. And, you know, she and actually I met her a couple conferences ago um, through a mutual um, contact of ours. 
And, you know, so every time these conferences pop up, you know, we, it's an opportunity to, to keep in touch that way. So, you know, another benefit for folks listening of, you know, why these conferences are good. Um, but anyway, so she had some interesting research that she was a part of, um, you know, both related to COVID and then also beyond that. Um, and, you know, I think she, she had such a fantastic perspective of the benefit that human factors can apply specifically with respect to, you know, challenging topics such as equity, such as accessibility, really considering the diversity of, you know, our end users, um, even though it may pose some extra challenges and, and how we go about doing that. So for example, it's super easy to set up a web portal to, um, you know, get people to sign up for vaccine appointments. This is just a very generic example to like hone in the point. But when thinking about the diverse population that an area has, not everyone might have access to, you know, getting to that website. And so how do you support that? Okay, let's let's figure out a, a call-in instead and, you know, that kind of support. So um, I thought that it was, you know, a very good perspective because, you know, human factors, it's, it's so much more beyond just, um, you know, the products that we put forth or how we communicate with stakeholders. It's really that lens and that perspective that we can bring to some of these discussions, especially the ones that, you know, impact larger systemic, um, you know, problems that we're trying to to sort out. So, you know, in this case that the hospital is trying to sort out. So I thought that that was very interesting. And then she also touched on some of the research that she does, you know, when not focused on COVID, <laughs> believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, um, there is work outside of what? that. I know. In healthcare? That's weird. I know. I know. No, but, um, yeah, she's she's done some interesting work and she's continuing to do interesting work. So I think that's going to be a fun one for people to listen to. Yeah. So actually, that one uh, will hopefully be hitting your ear holes soon. Um, then there's also another one that I actually just wrapped up literally um, an hour ago. So <laughs> this one yeah, was tell with us the, about it. Yeah, this one was with the um, student design competition winners. Uh, and, um, it was a great conversation, um, wait, Nick, yes, there's a student design competition. What is that? Oh yeah. That's where everybody gets together and they try to solve a problem in healthcare. And, um, th then there's a winner. That's what happens. <laughs> I don't want to give away too much of the interview here, but what I'm going to say, um, it was very interesting. And they, um, basically they, uh, they talked about, um, this, let me, so it was Sophia, Divya and Anna, and they were the, they were called team mothership of, of, um, this design competition. And basically what their app was trying to do was to solve the problem that working mothers had in the time of COVID where, um, they are exposed to task overload. There's a bunch of different tasks as them as the default caregiver have to do, right? Like, you know, take care of the child and work. Um, and so they were trying to solve this problem by uh, not only interfacing with task management, but also with community building uh, with other mothers. Um, and lastly, you know, kind of exposing them to research. Um, and so, 
You can hear more about their chat later on this week. Hopefully we'll get that out to you. If not this week, next week, um, we're just waiting on a couple things, but um, all those will be available. All those um, interviews will be available to you uh, as part of our healthcare symposium coverage. It was, it was a, I felt like all these interviews are really great. Yeah. And they were, they were pretty opportunistic in general. I think you and I got plugged in a little, late in the game and we were still able to come out with some pretty interesting talks. Yeah. And just a quick plug, um, this student design competition is something that this conference does every year. So if you are a student and you are interested in, you know, finding ways to get involved in the professional community, this is one really awesome opportunity. They've been doing it for, I mean, ever since I was in grad school, not to date myself or anything, but, um, you know, so they do it every year and it's, it's always seems like a lot of fun. Yeah. It sounded like a ton of fun. Um, so with that, there's, um, let's talk about what we actually were able to get to, um, you know, full disclosure, like I said at the top, I got a comp pass and this is because, uh, you know, planning for a, a conference is, is, um, when you go to a conference physically, it's often your main focus is to go to the conference and network with people, catch up with old friends, go to things that you're interested in. When it's virtual, um, at least for me, and especially since I got this so late breaking, I think we talked about it literally the Friday before it happened. Um, and uh, it, was, um, it was one of those things where I really had to, I struggled with uh, attending sessions, balancing real world work, um, and family obligations, as well as a podcast to push out, right? So like um, all these things together prohibited me from attending as many as I wanted to. I still got to a couple of them. But again, part of the beauty of this symposium is that everything is recorded and I can, I can go back later and watch it. And that's really nice. Um, so, you know, I'll talk about a couple things, but Elise, what, so let's, let's just talk about it from this perspective. What were some of the favorite things that you were able to go to? Um, so I, I'm sure other people probably experienced this too. I experienced a similar challenge that, that you did. And I would imagine that even if people had a heads up, you know, and were able to plan around, you know, work and such, they would probably still run into this issue of trying to balance things. Um, but all that being said, um, I was able to catch the opening talk with, um, John Nance, who, you know, really talked about this concept of, um, you know, what is good enough? How are we defining good enough? Um, so with that, um, I'll actually dive into that one just a little bit. Um, and I have my notes over. Yeah, I was there to too. So we can bounce <laughs> off of each other on this one. Perfect. So he actually, he comes from an aviation background and I always get really interested when people come from one domain and then you know, kind of apply metaphors across domains. Um, so, you know, he had this one story that I really enjoyed um, where he was the co-pilot on a plane and there was this LOL, which he defined as a little <laughs> old lady. <laughs> not not laugh out loud, but a little old lady, which is actually, I think, a technical acronym he was saying that oh, yeah. they, they have. This is the um, turnaround story. 
is the turnaround story. And she was saying that, you know, so they, he, he gets this, you know, notification up in the cockpit pit. There's this, you know, LOL who wants to talk to, you know, one of the pilots and, you know, so him being the, the co-pilot, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll go back there. And, you know, so he makes his way and, you know, it's the very back of the plan plane. And she's like, Oh, there, there looks to be like, there's some fluid coming off the plane. And, you know, he, had you know been formulating in his mind like all the reasons why they're they're like oh maybe it's precipitation and what and he looks out the window and sure enough there is like gallons of fuel that is escaping from one of the the wings and so he's like oh that that's interesting rushes up to the front like gets the like talks to the other pilot turns it around um and it's it ended up being a near miss and, you know, they were able to get everyone, you know, safely to the ground. But it is just one of those stories about um, how he was he was primed, you know, because just like a week or two before that, he said that they had gotten a notification from the airline about, you know, oh, you should you should really pay attention to what everyone around you is saying. And that includes passengers on the plane. So do not dismiss what people are saying because they might have a perspective that that you don't always see right away and sure and so he had read this was like oh okay great and then this happens and you know they're able to you know save everyone because he had listened to that and didn't you know dismiss the passenger and so he was talking a lot about you know communication communication is so you know critical with all this and if we assume we are, you know, 100% error free, we are perfect, um, you know, which is essentially the perspective that I think a lot of physicians and surgeons are, are trained with, you know, they have to, you know, be performing at this high level, because the patient is in their hands. But that has its own kind of follow on implications as a result of it. So, um, yeah, what what did you think of the talk, Nick? I thought it was a great talk. Um, lots of fun, inter- entertaining clips from pop culture that really kind of hammered home his point of communication. Uh, and back to the aviation story, you know, it wasn't just the communication between the LOL and the co-pilot. It was also the communication between the co-pilot and the pilot. The pilot didn't want to listen to him. It, you know, he's like, what's going on? And he just said, if you trust me, just turn around right now. I'll explain in a minute. And, you know, he's like... You know, the trust between teammates needs to be there, too. I think that talk largely was important because, you know, like you said, we're talking about um, basically how we're not perfect. And I think the the lesson of that story or that talk is that we can't necessarily fault ourselves um, for being error prone in, in certain situations, but we do need to change how we think about adopting some of these newer tools, um, and adopt how we approach some of these processes for the betterment of patients. Right. I think there was, there was a story that he was telling about, um, some doctor that didn't want to adopt a technology because it was the way it's always been done. And he was talking about how dangerous that way of thinking is when it comes to patient health, because, um, you know, someone looks up a procedure and understands that it's more effective than maybe something else. And if they're not getting it from this doctor, because just because the doctor doesn't want to learn it, 
then they're not getting the optimal care that they deserve. So I thought overall it was just an incredibly powerful um, uh, story and, and talk. And I'm really glad that I was able to attend that one for sure. Yeah, that it was a really good one. He had one quote in there. It was something along the lines of any human system built on the expectation of perfect human performance has built itself to fail. And I thought it was so good because, you know, he was trying to hone in on the fact that, you know, a lot of times in healthcare, you know, the people, you know, people are trained to be 100%, 100% of the time. And so you talk about these long shifts, you talk about like all this complicated technology that's constantly being introduced into the hospital. And, and then you're like training people, they have to be 100% all the time. It's just, um, you know, and then he made this other great point, where, you know, it's important to believe that we can get to zero in terms of error rates and how he had overheard, you know, when this concept was first coming out in aviation and they were bringing in crew resource management and, you know, this concept of decreasing error rates was really starting to become a forefront. He had overheard someone say, like, we can't possibly get to zero. Like, that's impossible. You know, we're, we're going to make mistakes. And he's like, yeah, that's true. But if we if we don't believe that we can get to that, we will never come close. You know, it's that bar that we're setting. And so overall, I thought this was a great like starting talk to the conference. It was like the exact kind of inspiration that I think a lot of people who are working in healthcare probably needed to, you know, reinvigorate that, that motivation of not motivation, but, you know, inspiration of, you know, pushing the bounds and really getting past the curmudgeon personalities that sometimes might, you know, pop up there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I want to be respectful of our time here. So I'm going to ask you rapid fire. Give me like the top three things that you attended uh, that and, and some fun takeaways. Ready? Go. Oh, gosh. Okay. So there was one, it was an opening session with medical devices. And it was talking about um, this concept of does human factors actually save lives? And it was it was interesting because it's hard to measure a problem if we're preventing things. So, um, you know, it was an interesting way of thinking about like ROI and how human factors is really making an impact and, um, you know, how to try to measure that. And so that was an interesting one. Um, topics about COVID were, were interesting for me, especially when talking to people who are embedded in the hospital. One of my favorites in that actually, um, is I guess when COVID first started HFES, I think it was HFES put out a talk about like COVID specifically and how you can get involved as a human factors person. And that actually inspired quite a few, um, you know, professionals embedded in these hospitals to go reach out to their bosses and say, hey, like, this is what I can do. How can we get involved? And that actually started projects. And it was because of, you know, this outreach event that, um, you know, HFES had put forth. And so they were like, we want to see more stuff like that because, you know, that was really motivating. So I thought that was a really cool, like full circle moment where it actually inspired people to reach out and then from that get interacted, you know, get involved in, in projects. And, uh, back to you, Nick rapid yeah. fire. What, oh, what are some of your favorites? Uh, so, uh, some of my favorites here, um, education and simulation keynote, they also talked about aviation and it, you know, they were talking about kind of what can we apply from other domains to healthcare? Um, 
they also talked about, you know, usability of medical devices and equipment and and um, sort of implementing some of these guidelines and protocols for um, for equipment as well. Uh, so that that education simulation keynote was pretty interesting. I would say uh, there was a there was another talk about cognitive assessment games saving us from cognitive decline. So you know we're we're kind of preserving our the problem spaces that we're preserving our bodies for longer, but we're not necessarily preserving our minds for longer um, with you know dementia uh, and other um, aging effects. Uh, so, so they were looking at like mobile applications, uh, allowing measurements to be taking taken worldwide. So it has this big scale, uh, large scope, um, and allows you to standardize across multiple countries. So you can kind of get some of that information. Last one that I'll kind of briefly mention here is that um, chatbots and gamification. There was a really interesting um, chat uh, talk about chatbots and gamification, and kind of what is a chatbot um, and how healthcare. Um, is impacted by this, right? Because if you talk to a chatbot, there's all these different considerations that you have to make. Like there's somebody who's behind the scenes designing a conversation, almost like a theater director. Um, they have to map out these conversations. Like what are some potential things they might say here? Um, and then, you know, it's it's also, there's the ethics behind it. Like what happens if a person thinks they're actually talking to a human um, instead of a chatbot? So that was also a very interesting chat. Uh, without getting too into them and too spoilery, I'd highly recommend anyone who was able to attend, go listen to those. Um, if not, find a way to, uh, you know, get in touch with those researchers because they were some pretty interesting things. Um, with that, Elise, any other closing thoughts on the healthcare symposium for 2021? Um, not anything big. I'm just really thankful that I was able to attend and have it be in a virtual environment. It was a little tricky juggling it with, you know, work at the same time. But, um, honestly, I'm most excited to like recap on the sessions that I missed and like continue watching some of them and, and learning. Um, and for folks who are interested, they are actually doing it in person next year, I think in New Orleans. So, that's the plan. And it sounds like it should be a lot of fun. We'll see you in New Orleans, right? All right. <laughs> uh, for me, I think the 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 one key takeaway I have with this is is if you're going to a conference, give it your full undivided attention, like go, go out to a hotel locally or something and just attend the things that you want to attend. It's it's kind of weird um, with the virtual format. I am thankful for it. Um, I just think that if you try to do it all, you won't be able to do much of any of it. Um, you know, so take that, <laughs> take what you will from that. Um, but that's going to be it for today, everyone. Let us know what you guys think of the uh, coverage of the healthcare symposium. Um, if you want to, you can hang out with us in our Slack or Discord or get to us at any of our social channels. You can visit our official website and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with all the latest human factors news. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do that. One, leave us a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, if they don't have one, you can leave it on our website. Two, tell your friends about us. That's how we help the show grow. And three, if you're able to, consider supporting us on Patreon. Um, that really helps us too. Uh, and as always, links to uh, all the stuff that we talked about, the healthcare symposium, all of our interviews will be in the links uh, in the description below. Uh, I want to thank Elise for being on the show today and breaking down this healthcare symposium with me. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about the healthcare symposium? 
yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's probably the best way. Thank you so much for letting me be on the show, Nick. This has been so much fun. Well, thank you for joining me, Elise. I really appreciate it. And I always like when we when we get to chat about human factors together. Uh, as for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me streaming on Twitch Tuesdays at 11 uh, a.m. for office hours and across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in to Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it depends. It depends. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft, these are all examples of highly technical systems and organisations, and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.